we should read our Bibles. As men digging for buried treasure. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of peoples according to the number of the sons of God. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Take no part in the fruitless deeds of darkness, but yet expose them. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Life's a garden, man. You gotta dig it. Hello fellow treasure hunters, welcome to the excavation site. I'm Justin, alongside me we got Ben, Stephen, and Chad. We'll be your guides on this excursion. Hope you brought your shovel and your compass, because we got the map. Let's dig. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, we're at the Third Rebellion, if you're still with us. Uh, this one is the, the Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you want to pronounce it. What do you guys think? You excited? Ba- Babel. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's where all the babbling comes from. Everybody's babbling. Now, this was in Babylon, right? Babbling. No. Taking you back. No. But now, before we get into the the meat of the matter, how's everybody doing? Doing good, man. Blessed. Chad's a little tired. Yeah, tell, tell us, Chad, yeah, wow. what, what new adventure you got going on? Well, you know, I don't know. My crazy old lady decided to open up a meal prep service. Oh, I've been under the gun. Yeah. Uh, don't, no. don't, don't pull <laughs> the Adam now. Blame the woman. We just covered <laughs> yeah. this. No. Yeah. I'm blessed. I got a great woman, and it was my idea. All right, I'm coming clean over here. <laughs> he missed a good birthday party, though. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he was cooking. Yeah, well, the boys. We, we wanted to be there. Boys had a birthday party. They're getting old. And, and uh, your boys now, you, you named them after Batman. Yeah, we got Bruce and we have Wayne. Now, how cool is that? It, it wasn't, Bruce it wasn't Wayne. meant for, you know, it wasn't because of Batman. It just happened. To, he, don't let him lie. He's oh, I a, thought you was a big Batman fan. I've always assumed that. Really. He's no, got a bat uh, signal at his house. Well, signal for me. Oh. They, they send it up there. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Uh, well, I guess we're going to get right on into it. Uh, Chad, you want to lead us off in prayer? Sure will. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to talk about you and your word. Thank you, Father. We just ask today that you give us your anointed gift of receiving and understanding and endow us with your wisdom. We pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen. 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 So, uh, Tower of Babel, of course, Genesis uh, it starts in Genesis 11, but uh, won't we back up just a little bit to, to Genesis 10 and uh, verse 8? Because, of course, we know the Tower of Babel was, was made by, by Nimrod, so uh, this study wouldn't be complete if we didn't cover the, the, the man behind the Tower of Babel. Yes, absolutely. Um, so let's see here. And also in chapter 10, it talks about the the. the uh, the nations, you know, the the lineage and stuff like that, and a lot of people don't notice, but uh, according to what translation you read, but there's uh, seventy nations mentioned, and of course, seventy in, in Hebrew, you know, isn't like a literal meaning of seventy. It means you know the whole, right, the totality. I can't remember uh, the guy's name, uh, the mighty warrior in the Bible. I just had a brain fart, but Gideon. Gideon and his 70 sons. You know, he didn't literally have 70 sons. It was just saying all of his sons. So when you see that number a lot in the, in the Bible. That's just a, a thing they used back then to just say all, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was describing all the nations. But uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 7, it says, Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Uh, anybody got anything on that background? Nimrod, Cush, anything like that they want to share? I think we did. We cover a little yeah. bit of that. I cover a little bit of that last time we talked about um, where Nimrod got some of his power. Oh, um, the, the yes, the garments of the, the garden. Yeah, the garments of the garden. I think that that that's something that only I'd heard of recently that's all pretty new to me but you know saying that at 20 years old that passed down through the lineage that he had the original clothes that were made by god for adam 
that he put them on at 20 years old and at that time and that was in that's in jasher jasher yeah, that's yeah. a book of jasher and it says that at 20 that's when he became he basically i mean for lack of a better word it's almost like superhero uh type stuff you know when we look at the marvel type stuff he puts this on and all of a sudden is imbued with powers because he's wearing this godly you garment. said he became gaborum you yes. know and that's the same word that Giant. they used to describe the nephilim you yes know, the yeah. mighty man the of mighty. old good stuff right there and he was what uh he transcended to uh at this point i guess he was one-third man and he was two-third god yeah according to the claims and stuff and like which with these are like extra biblical references but like uh it says i got some of my notes says that he was also called in murker in the sumerian kings list uh and according to this sumerian kings list it's a a stone tablet and stuff like that they dug up over there in the Middle East, and, you know, it's a historical artifact, you know, so this ain't something I'm just, you know, making up here. But it's, but in that document, it says that he lived 215 years, built the Tower of Babel, uh, while Abraham was still living in the mountains with Noah, per the book of, of Jasher. And Merker means the hunter. In this very passage, it refers to him as the mighty, the Gibor hunter. So... That's why a lot of biblical scholars think that this Immerker from the Sumerian Kings list is in fact Nimrod because he built a mighty tower. He was referred to as as the hunter. And uh, now this next thing I got, Chad, is kind of I think where you were going with it. And I know you know a lot about the uh, the unholy Trinity with uh, uh, Simer. Uh, how you say that? Simeris, uh, the Inanna moon goddess, and Merker, Nimrod, and Tammuz. And you want right. to elaborate on that? Uh, these different ancient cultures well it's the same story that's been told throughout time i mean when god confounded the languages next thing you know the one world leader under the one world government that used the one world language that was one world religion was all of a sudden told all over the world in these different cultures and different languages so when you get these different deities such as osiris and apollo and orion Gilgamesh and uh, these stories are depicting the same tale that was told at Babel of the mighty one Nimrod the first king of the Assyrian yeah and then when the tongues were divided that's why you get the so so many similar stories throughout the, the Through world different cultures yes yeah. right oh absolutely that tale's been told for um, a long time yeah but see, the, what's crazy I got in there, because I know you, you've studied that and knew quite a bit about that, but uh, in that document, that Sumerian Kings list, it basically describes an, an, an unholy trinity. You know, Inanna, the moon goddess, and in Merker, which is Nimrod, had a child named it Tammuz, which was the goat king, you know, a.k.a. Pan to the Greeks, uh, Enkidu and in the epics of Gilgamesh, ultimately the Baphomet, you know, part god, part man, reared by Nimrod, born by Enki, uh, Nimrod and Anana, you know, done some you know Celtic like sex rituals, and Aniki impregnated uh, his wife, and the two of them uh, have an actual son, which is docu documented in the Bible, and his name was Mardun. But what's funny is that sounds an awful lot like Marduk, doesn't it? Yes, it sure <laughs> does. You know, from Babylon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and according to the the extra biblical texts, you know, like Jasher and stuff like that, it says that uh, in a great battle. Uh, Mardun was actually killed, and that's where you get Marduk was, you know, Nimrod deified his son. Right, hmm. yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you see that all over the place. Well, I guess you kind of see it cross-referenced with Tammuz it, it, as well, you know, because uh, the same thing as far as Ishtar was concerned. Uh, she had a son, and, uh, uh, well, she didn't have that son at first. What happened was that her husband died. And uh, then when he died, she was going to resurrect his spirit, oh, yeah. resurrecting sun god. And he became a sun god. And uh, when he did that, uh, story says that the rays of the sun impregnated Ishtar and gave birth to her son, Tammuz. And if, you know, the Bible talks about Tammuz and Ezekiel and uh, talks about the great abominations, the things that really provoke God. And, well, Tammuz is one of them. Right. <laughs> And one thing I thought was really interesting, too, was, you know, another archaeological find uh, that they've recently found was called uh, the, uh, the Letters to the Lord Arata. Have you guys heard of that? No. Um, basically, it's these stone tablets they found uh, from Inmerker, which is Nimrod, 
to this Lord of Arata. And we all know Noah's boat landed on Mount Ararat in the land of Arata. And what's cool, it says uh, uh, this, these tablets called the letters to Lord Arata is from a marker to the Lord of Arata, which is Noah's boat, you know, that landed on Mount Ararat. Uh, and he planted a vineyard there, it says in the Bible. It says, to this day at the base of that mountain has the oldest vineyards on earth. It's a safe bet that this was written to Noah. But in this letter, Nimrod slash Merker is asking for help from the Lord in building a great tower to make a name for himself and that in his hopes that Anana might embrace him there. And, you know, I just mentioned earlier the, the legend was that Anana and him embraced and it born Tammuz, you know, Marduk, yes. Marduk. But basically, like, you know, Chad said earlier, you know, Nimrod is your first Antichrist figure, first one world government. You know, of course, he was a fool. That's why, you know, we call foolish people Nimrods, you know, mm-hmm. to this day. But uh, John in Revelation says those with wisdom calculate the number. 666, you know, it is a name. You know, Hebrews use secret messaging systems to communicate with each other while under the Roman Empire. You know, letters in uh, the Hebrew alphabet have numeric values. You know, and it's uh, gematria. And mm-hmm. uh, two words that can calculate 666 in this system is Nimrod and Titan. You know, Titans are the are the fallen angel version of the Romans, you know. It says version of the fallen angels and Nephilim of the Hebrews, uh, a verb used to describe these, and we talked about that earlier, Gaborim. And it's the same word used to describe uh, giants, the giants, and also Nephilim. Nimrod here, the mighty hunter mm-hmm. before the Lord. I thought that was pretty cool and worth sharing before we got into the tower. Give you a little background on the man. No. Well, I got <laughs> one know? more thing for you here. If you guys don't got anything else, you know, like I was saying, we talked about him transcending to a god, transcending to a deity. And uh, when he did, he was one-third man, and he was two-thirds God. And it's funny because when you break down, one-third of 100% is 33.3%. There's your occult. Also, two-thirds of 100% is 66.6%. Once again, there's your occult. And, you know, Gilgamesh shares the same story, and this is just something that's been told down through the ages, but... Because it all originated at the same place. It all originated at that one place, many into one. Well, anybody want to go with the, the, the and do the reading of the, the Tower of Bible in Genesis 11, 7 through 9? I, I can start out if somebody wants to jump in after that. I mean, it's such a long story, though. I think it's a whole nine verses. Well, once again, it was like the you know the book of Enoch. Why why beat a dead horse when you got plenty of other biblical books going into great detail about it, like Jubilees and Jasher. And... It makes so much sense. All right. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they saw, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, "Let's make bricks and harden them with fire." In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why this city is called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. And with that, too, uh, like different translations you read, you know, uh, it, like mine, uh, I read the, the ESV, and it said uh, instead of Babylonia, it said the, the land of Shinar. Shinar, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. plains of Shinar. Yeah, and when you compare that with the uh, Sumerian kings list and stuff, it said that uh, uh, the kingship lowered from heaven in Eridu, you know, and basically just modern-day Iraq. Mm-hmm. Right, and, no. and and we got a, a a foot soldier here with us that's actually been there. Oh yeah, tell us about it. What? Well, there really ain't much to tell about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were out on mission one day, 
and it was off to our right, out in the distance, just a big old heaping pile of dirt. That was about all there was left. God didn't leave much left, did he? <laughs> no, no, there wasn't. I mean, out there where it's so flat, kind of where we were, where it's at, it's hard to tell distance. I mean, it might have been huge if you're right up at it. It was hard to tell how far out it was, but it wasn't no. It's the curvature. <laughs> it wasn't no giant tower to heaven. Right. No more. Not at all. No, I think that, well, I mean, we'll get into it as we go along, but, you know, there's different descriptions of its size and some other things that, that I think you know bear us uh kind of delving into so we kind of get the gravity of the situation but but go ahead jump into the next thing start start off with uh i don't know start off with what we're going here well one thing i guess i i want to address is like uh is uh i was always you know taught that oh they were trying to to build this great tower you know into heaven and god put a stop to it uh, to me it's like we got all kinds of evil stuff going on in the world today much worse than a really tall building and god doesn't intervene so to me this is more than just some tall building for god to intervene yes i mean there's more going on here no there's definitely more going on here um but i i tell you you know because i had thought about you know what is it is it about height is it a stargate you know um, but if it was about height, you would have thought, well, uh, it can't be that, you know, if they did that, they'd have started on a mountaintop. But see, when you're talking about the size of this thing, we're talking, they went to the plains of Shinar and, you know, we can look at the extra biblical tales and, uh, do the study. And we're talking upwards of a hundred square, a hundred square miles in diameter right here. That's massive. It's a massive structure right there. But, um. With the town around it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's that just... That was... Been... Which one thing I got, which I can't remember wh- which where I got, I pulled it from, but it says the base of the Tower of Babel was uh, around 25 acres or 20 football fields. And it was located in Nimrod's occult cities of Uruk and Ur. Only the base, you know, or, or the... Some people say the base or the capstone is all that's left in modern day Iraq. You know, the, the, the tower was dedicated to Inki, the lord of the abyss, and it's called the gateway for the god. And I heard you say something about a gate. About a gateway? A stargate, is that what you said? Yeah, stargate, yeah. What is a stargate exactly? Well, I don't know. You never watched Star Trek? I was never a big tracky. I don't know. Not into that kind of stuff. Well, basically, at a Stargate, this is going to be an interdimensional portal that's going to transmit you from one place to the other. And, you know, I've heard people talk about the Tower of Babel, and that's what they were building. And they were using a Stargate to uh, to get into heaven. and Or at least to attempt to get into heaven. At least attempt to. And, and we, but regardless whether it was a Stargate or if it was about height, we do know that... There was a plan, and we only know that if we look at the extra biblical tales. And I don't know if you want to go into that right now. Uh, I mean, yeah, all this is open. But no, one thing I, I always thought, though, was we've done covered the fallen angels, right? They were put in everlasting change until the you know to the day of judgment the in the abyss. Right. right here it says he's the Lord of the abyss. So, what if they were trying to open up a a portal or a dimension to to release these fallen angels at Babel oh yeah well it had to be something pretty major for God to interfere to come down and destroy it well I mean yeah but if you're just gonna go down that rabbit hole but I mean they just you know a couple generations prior was Noah yeah he just flooded the earth and now they're out chasing these false gods again and he just chained them and they had all they worshipped them as gods they, you know, they had all this knowledge that they gave to them. So if, you know, we're all humans, I'm sure we're, they're humans. We, yeah. we, you know, nothing's changed. Oh, yeah. So why would you not? I could see where they're like, well, let's, let's try to free them because they can yeah. give us more knowledge. It's almost like they're reaching more power, out more and trying to 
trying to do something. Get them to, you know, get yeah. us to release them again, you well, know, or something. One thing that makes me believe they're going to, you know, invade heaven is because, well, in Genesis, like, like we read there, he says that nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now, you won't know what they imagined to do unless you read the extra biblical tales. And uh, I'm going to kind of elaborate here a little bit with Joshua 9. Uh, 9, let me go on down to 25. And the building of the tower was unto them a transgression and a sin, and they began to build it. And whilst they were building against the Lord and God of heaven, they imagined in their hearts to war against him and to ascend into heaven. So by reading these extra biblical tales, uh, you're able to get a lot more, um, a lot more there. Oh yeah. A better understanding of exactly what they were trying to do, what the plan was. And from what I'm gathering here is, you know, one world government, one world religion, one world language, one world leader, one world God, Nimrod. And they were going to overthrow the heavenly realms and dethrone God and take the throne. And this was what they imagined to do. And once again. And be our own gods. That's right. why well, he confounded yeah. their languages and, you know, spread them amongst the nations. And, um, and that would be the perfect word for foolish. Oh, yeah. So you got to back up here just definitely a little foolish. bit, though. And go back to Genesis, right in Genesis, when we're looking at uh, verse 6. And this is definitely up to interpretation here. But when it talks about, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. And what does that mean? So we're talking about, obviously, something great is they're trying to achieve something great. Something, I mean, terrible, because God sees that he needs to intervene. But what does that mean? It I mean also, what do you guys well, think? saying they're united. But what does so that they mean? they all that, have the same. Nothing will be impossible, though. What does oh, that yeah. mean? I mean, that to me. That's that, a, that would be possible. Whatever they imagined to do, they were going to conquer it unless he came down with the hammer. That's what I gathered from that. Yeah. Unless he confounded, did what he did at Babel, they, anything was possible in their hearts and their minds, you know, and what they imagined. and. Um, it just seems like such a, a very the way that it's worded there. If this, I mean, if we're looking at uh, this is you know God saying this that saying that mankind that that nothing will do will be impossible for them. And I then you can kind of see where when we talk about looking into the world nowadays, how we're seeing evil rise up again and things of that nature kind of go down that path. That you can see these other worldly um, beings, these other evil things that are around us are promising, I think promising uh, some of these world leaders these same things because you can no, see right there that they can doubt. say, hey, nothing will be impossible for you if you're on our side. So you can see how some people would fall away, how some people would get trapped into that, um, thinking that they could actually beat God. You know, like they think, you know, when we talk about, I mean, this is really off track and I apologize. But we're going down that track again where we're getting towards potentially the end of time and, and Satan warring against heaven, you know, that's thinking he can still win, even though everything's been prophesied. But right there, I mean, it, it, if these same lies, these same promises are being made saying that, you know, n nothing you do will be um, impossible. Not saying God was lying when he said that, but I'm saying is that they're giving this to all the different people that are in control, those different... And we're playing God. We're, you know, yes, exactly. we're, we're splicing DNA. We're yes. cloning. Yes, you super. Know, we're making we're super still sacrificing. Yeah, we're still sacrificing to these gods. It's just, it's just modern hidden. day, you know, abortion clinics. That's yeah. what I was about to say. It's you know, hidden under the governments are veils. making super soldiers. DARPA. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is it. And that's why that's why Jesus says in the end days it'll be just like the days of Noah. Yeah. And if you look back, uh, uh, Noah wasn't a perfect man. He had sin. Uh, but he wasn't righteous because he didn't sin. He was righteous because of his blood, like we had elaborated before in other episodes, you know. And his devotion to God. And his devotion to God, obviously. I mean, it goes hand in hand. But, well, just um, like David. You know, David wasn't a, a perfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart. Right. You know? No. No, absolutely. But one thing I think is fascinating is there's so many, you know, Christians, you know, that go to church, you know, every Sunday that uh, thinks this is all there is about the Tower of Babel. You know, it's a, it's a game of Jenga. They, they built this big tower, God knocked it down, split the tongues, and... Because 
We've been taught that about one rebellion. What's the rebellion that everybody's going to say? What happened when you talk about a rebellion? What do they say? Oh, there's only one into the modern Christian's eyes. It's Adam and Eve, and that was mm-hmm. it. But the thing is, is uh, when you go into, which we're going to go into detail about it, but I'll just touch it here, but Deuteronomy 32. A lot of people don't realize it or even know it, I don't think. But that goes into more detail exactly what happened at, at the Tower of Babel. You know, it explains in more depth. And it says, not only did he divide the tongues, he divided the nations amongst mm-hmm. the sons of what? God. God. I'll repeat, God. Sons of God. God. And it said, uh, you know, they basically they kept chasing after these other gods, so God let them rule over the nations. But he said, Israel is mine. You know, that's who Paul's talking about when he mentions rulers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. These are the second fallen sons of God ruling over the nations today. You know, uh, that's as well later uh, when he calls out Abraham. He says, through your name all nations shall be blessed. That's Genesis twelve three. You know, in the end we will all be adopted into the family of Israel. You know, th- this is why... The flaming tongues of fire of Pentecost are so important. You know, it was a reversal of Babel. Everyone spoke the same language like, you know, back before the Tower of Babel. You know, so you guys got anything else to add before we jump to Deuteronomy? Well, and that's if why you, they, go ahead, if you go look ahead. at that, I was going to say, if you look at that, you go back to when, you know, Satan said that the, the world's kingdoms were his to give is because yes, that's that they were point, his. they were his at that point, though, when that was split up and that was given out. Given the given split unto the nations that way under those seventy nations, the people wanted to to worship these other gods to 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 worship the the watchers these and, other principalities and at that point mankind who was put as stewards over the earth Adam was put as a steward over the earth at that time they're giving all that to those other right gods they're, they're, they're worshiping yes they're giving so that's up when their, we gave up right our worldly dominion it was given. To, to Satan, to all the other principalities and whatnot. And at that time, sorry, I'm doing the thing again. Um, He's talking about turning his head. We've been fussing at him. Yeah. Instead of speaking in the mic, he looks around at all of us I and fades away. But at that time, then, you know, we've given the world over. Satan, it is his. We've, give, we've given yes. up our dominion as human beings, as stewards of the planet. At that point, it's no longer ours. But Christ will return. Yes, sir. Amen to that. But, uh, you know, Deuteronomy 32, 8, you know, uh, and I chose that as uh, my intro verse, you know. Uh, it says, but when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of peoples according to the number of the sons of God. You yes. know, so God, you know, like I said earlier, he was, you know, okay, you keep chasing after these other gods, these lesser beings, you know, and celestial you worship, them. all this stuff, then fine, I'll let them rule over you. But Israel is mine. Right. You know, and through Jacob Israel, was his allotted nation. Through and the, Israel. And he had a plan the whole time. He'll take us back. That's why Abraham, he said, yep. through your name all nations shall be blessed. He, you know, he, he, he doesn't plan he was taking them back. And I swear I think um, the the good parable tenet is about yep. this whole situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the good parable tenet, you know, it, it says that, uh, or the good tenet parable, uh, that uh, this wealthy landowner lent this farmland to these people and said hey you know you can farm it but uh, come harvest time i get you know a tenth or so much of your first fruits so they lent them out to them they they ruled over the land which is you know these sons of god they're talking about in deuteronomy 32 in the tower of babel well come harvest time uh they didn't want to give anything up and they beat up the messenger and sent him back empty-handed you know, so then the landowner sends somebody else. They get beat up, get sent back. So then finally the landowner's like, I'll send my son. They're not, they're, they won't harm my son. And it says in the parable that uh, the people that was, you know, allotted the land to take care of it plotted, said, well, we'll just, we'll kill the son, and that'll send a message to him, you know, we mean business. So when the son came, they they murdered him. You know, you tell me if that's not the story of earth the sons of God in Christ. I don't know what is. Mm. No, without a doubt, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. And uh, I don't know if we're going to move on, but I'll say something to kindly um, go with what you got as far as the sons of God uh, and the ruling over the nations. You know, once again, the Bible says the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and His anointed saying. Yep. You know, and uh, well, like you said, you know, this is all just a spiritual. Uh, 
warfare that we're embarked in right now, you know, and like you said, where Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the dark rulers of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, you know. That's, that's this exactly isn't just a bunch of mumbo about. jumbo in the book. We got some bad principalities in high places right here. Yeah. And one thing I, I, like, I like to to do is I don't want people thinking, you know, oh, well, this is their interpretation, but there ain't nothing in the Bible that, that backs that. Oh, the sons of God, they're talking about earthly kings and earthly rulers and stuff. Well, I got a, a whole gaggle of uh, uh, biblical, canonical references that, that back this up and shows you that the writers of the Bible believed in this very thing. You know, when you turn to... A good example is Second uh, Kings chapter five verse seventeen. This is about uh, a guy named Naaman. You know, Naaman, he had uh, I don't know if it was leprosy. I can't remember. He had something wrong with him, and all these witchy craft people and other gods of, of the nations couldn't heal him. He he could not receive a healing, so he went to Israel, you know, to have the God of Israel heal him, because all the others had failed him. Well, long story short. Uh, he ends up being uh, cleansed and, and healed of his ailments. And uh, right here in verse 17 it says, And then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given your servant two mule loads of earth. From now on your servant will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any other god but the but God the Lord. Okay, so... You're thinking, well, how how does that prove the the Israelites and the people of that time believed in uh, the the lands being divided up amongst the sons of God? Because it said, you know, Israel is mine. So why was it so important that he get two mule loads of dirt? Because it was Israel dirt. Ding ding ding. Tell him what he's won, Scotty. <laughs> A new car. <laughs> exactly, because he knew that you know. Israel's allotted portion, Yahweh, is the one was the true God, and but his allot allotment was Israel, because all the other nations were divided amongst the other sons of God, the other lowercase g gods, the false gods. So he wanted to take some of Israel's dirt back with him to lay out, because wherever that would be, it would be holy, holy ground. ground. Right. You know. You guys got anything? I don't want to hog all this. No, up, but you're good right got, there. Uh, another one. Uh, Daniel chapter 10 uh, talks about uh, the prince of Persia. And right here it says, uh, let me see. Give me just a second here. I got so many highlights. I'm trying to figure out which one I'm trying to look at. Right here. Now this is an encounter that he had with this uh, heavenly being, this watcher. It says, Then he said to me, this is uh, verse 12, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you were set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now this is an angel talking to him. It says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia, and I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So he goes on to talk, you know, and give the message. But who... If this is earthly rulers, this uh, this prince of Persia, who who is he that can withstand God's angel twenty one days and hold him back from getting to Daniel and letting him know the message? Mm. That it was so strong it took two of them. It says that the archangel Gabriel had to come and and help him out to get free so he could get to Daniel. Wow! These How'd you not, ever Jogi Bear right there? Yeah, yeah. This this is not no earthly ruler. This is you know. And once again showed you that they believed in this Deuteronomy 32 worldview that there was actually principalities spiritual wickedness in high places mm -hmm. and stuff behind the kings and rulers you know of earth uh, let's see I got another Daniel 6 
Daniel 6, verse 10. It says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, this is when they were in Babylon. Why was it so important that he go to this window that faced Jerusalem as he got down on his knees and prayed? Because he was in a foreign land where other gods were allotted. He wanted to pray toward Jerusalem. That way his God could hear him. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that showed you that, that they believed that stuff. Another really wild one is uh, uh, Jude uh, 9. Uh, these principalities and these angels are uh, fighting over the body of Moses. It says here, it says uh, Jude 9, uh, verse 9, But when the archangel Michael contended with the devil, they was disputing the body of Moses. He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So why were they uh, disputing the body of, of Moses? Because if you remember, he died before he reached the Holy Land. So these, you know, Satan and these principalities are saying, No, at the Tower of Babel, God allotted these nations and lands to, to us. Israel's his. Moses didn't make it to Israel, so you can't have his body. He belongs to me. <laughs> you know, it showed yeah. you that like they a trophy this stuff. Yes, Almost exactly. like a trophy. Exactly. Like a war war trophy or yeah. something. Not not honoring the, the tree. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And of course, you know, Ephesians six twelve, you know, we battle not uh, against flesh and blood, but, you know, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh first Corinthians, and I'll just kinda hit the high notes you guys, you know, can go and read your own Bible, do your own dig and I'll give them to you. But you know, first Corinthians chapter two, six through eight talks about uh, the authorities and rulers and stuff uh, killing uh, Christ. It said, you know, that, that they did not know what they'd done or, or, or they would not have killed the Christ because it was their own, you know, they sealed their own fate with that. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 2, talks about being led astray by these false gods and, and uh, uh, celestial worship and, you know, the sun, the moon, and all that. Uh-huh. Uh, Romans chapter 1, 24 through 25. Uh, I love that one. And actually, I'm not going to give you the layman's version of that. I, I want to read that one. Romans chapter 1, 24 through 25. It says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, talking about the, the Tower of Babel once again. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19, once again, celestial worship and how they chased after all these false gods and were given, where the people were given over. Uh, Ephesians, and this one's an interesting one too. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Says uh, this time about Christ says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives and gave them gifts to men. Uh, you know Mark chapter three verse twenty seven talks about the binding of a strong man. Uh, th now if you remember this is when uh, Jesus was casting out demons and doing all this other kind of stuff and they was like oh he casts out uh, demons by the power of Beelzebul. You remember he said a house divided will not stand. Yeah. You know. So he's basically telling them, he says, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. He's talking about these rulers and principalities because he was traveling to all these other nations and stuff and exercising these demons and uh, witnessing to people and doing all these things. And, and he, that's what he's saying. So, yeah, there's rulers and principalities and stuff that's given authority over this land, but I bind them, you know says you, you bind the strong man then indeed you may plunder his house that's what jesus was doing yeah uh but yeah so i gave you probably like 10, I, 10 I or 12 one, verses i right got a there. good one right here let's have it all right so you know in ezekiel um you know god's telling you i kind of spoke on it earlier he's telling you about all the abominations the things that really take him off you know and i kind of want to lead into that a little bit and kind of elaborate um so 
here we are, Ezekiel 4. Well, let's see here. Which one is it? Ezekiel 14. Where I'm at right here. Then he brought me, brought me, uh, turn ye yet again, and thou shalt seek greater abominations than they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat a woman weeping for Tammuz. Now, once again, we talked about Tammuz. This was the impregnated son from Samaris or Ishtar. And this is sun god worshiping. This is what this is. All right, let's lead into the Ezekiel 15, the next thing. So that really ticked him off. But here's, a, here's the greatest thing. Then he said unto, unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn ye yet again, and I shall show you greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men, with their backs towards the temple of the Lord, and their faces towards the east, and they worshipped the sun towards the east. So, uh, you know, let's lead off, let's, let's, let me continue right here. In 17, then he said unto me, Has thou seen this, O son of man? It is a light thing in the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here. They have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. And they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I will also deal in fury. I shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. Ezekiel eight thirteen through 17. But it's good stuff. They're worshiping the sun right there. That was the greatest abomination of all of them. Oh, yeah. Trading the truth for a lie, worshiping the, the creature instead of the creator. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what it is now. So he I mean, gave them over. He, he Right. He gave them over right there. But uh, that really puts things in perspective on the things that really tick God off. And it's a list for you. So you want to know what makes him bad? Go read Ezekiel and tell you. Well, yeah, even his Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? He says, What's "You will put no other gods before me." And then the second one says, "No, images. no graven images." So he's separating the two. Right, Everybody yeah. said, "Oh no, you, it, there is no other gods. It's just right. you're not supposed to worship stone and wood." Well, how come he just didn't elaborate on on the first commandment? Put no, there was two separate yeah. ones. He calls them gods yeah. because they're gods. Right. You know, he allotted them the the nations uh, at the Tower of Babel and called them gods. Yeah. Halloween. Yes. Yep. So, um, well, Ben, I know you've talked yeah, about Psalms eighty two a lot. You you want to read Psalms eighty two for everybody? Oh. The judgment of these so called gods. Psalms eighty two. God presides, or excuse me, presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destruct, yeah, just destitute. Wow, <laughs> too many monsters. <laughs> Rescue the poor and helpless, deliver them from the grasp of evil of evil people. But these oppressors n know nothing. They are so ignorant. They wander about the darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. I say, you are gods. You're what? Lo lowercase g, you are yes. gods. You are the children of the Most High, but you will not die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Okay, now hold up. So it says, nevertheless, like men, you shall die. Yep. So, duh. I mean, if these are humans... Yeah, they're already going to die. Yeah. He must not be talking to humans. No, he's no, definitely, definitely not talking no. to humans. I mean, that's a duh moment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, he, yeah. no he, says, he says it plain and clear exactly what he's talking to. Yeah, well, he tells you right there, you're the gods, which is like yeah, we've talked about the most before. High, yeah. You're the, the son of God. Like, who, 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 was the, who was 
the world allotted to? The sons of The sons God. of God. <laughs> okay. Your gods, you are the children of the Most High. So you are gods, lowercase g, but you are the sons of of the, the uppercase the, G God, yeah. the only God, and you will fall the only like real prince. God, but you will die like near mortals, and fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, capital G, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. Oh, okay. So this is kind. Of, oh man. So to there, me, don't, to, God's to you the guys. yeah. God's the owner. Is this not Deuteronomy 32? He's talking to these gods that he allotted the nations to. Right. And basically he's saying that you've ruled unjustly. And it also goes back to the parable. Oh, yeah. It's it's God's world. It's his property, his his land. And they're going to die like any prince. He's letting the lowercase gods, the Elohims, tend, rule over the land. But they rule it unjustly, so so therefore they will not. And they're going to take it back. They're going to be punished like near like mere mortals. Yeah. And I love the and end. It, and if you go all the way back, it's the same with Sim Jaws and all the all the Watchers. They're held to a different. They're not human. They're they're held to a different standard. Because, I mean, they're like, hey, look at them girls down there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've seen Adam and Eve. God forgave them. Nope, you're cast to the abyss forever until Judgment Day. Yeah, and I look. I, I totally the two different punishments. And he says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So it's already saying he's going to take them back. Oh, yes. yeah. They belong to him. And that's, you know, I know a lot of this is kind of gloom and doom kind of ish. For them. For them, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's well, good I mean, news for us. We're getting new tenants. Yeah, well, we're, more we're, forgiving. We're tenants. not getting tenants. We're getting the owner back. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we've done established, you know, uh, the Tower of Babel, Deuteronomy thirty-two, the dividing the nations and tongues amongst the sons of God. Okay, and we've gave you a bunch of uh, instances that it's biblical. The writers believed it. You know, we've given you bunches of them and this one i think is uh, really cool and worth sharing uh numbers uh chapter 29 talks about uh, the offerings for the feast of booths which is also called sukkot and this was a, a week-long festival and basically and this is where the, the people remembered going through the wilderness and they uh the men would uh camp out in uh tents, tents. You know, every week, you know, or the whole entire week, to remember what it was like to be. And they'd go nomads. out. They'd go out to the wilderness, yeah, go out to the mountains or whatever. But they would also do sacrifices every single day. And what's uh, interesting, and if people ain't reading their Bibles and, and paying attention, uh, the first day it said that they sacrificed uh, thirteen bulls, and then the next day, twelve, eleven, ten, and go on. So by the time you get to the last day, you're at seven. Well, if you add up all those bulls, it equals to 70. And you remember I, earlier I said 70 symbolizes all. And remember in Genesis 10, there was 70 na- nations mentioned. So in Deuteronomy 32, where the nations were divided amongst the sons of God, it lists 70 of them. So obviously there's 70 all right. of the sons of God. And all these bulls Let's see there. are being killed and sacrificed. So, you know, this is God signaling to his people even back then, you know, be patient, justice is coming. I know these sons of God are ruling over you unjustly, but vengeance is mine. Oh, yeah. And, and I will bring you all back. You know, it's just so cool, you know. And what's really cool is uh, you read into... Uh, uh, like we were talking about uh, the tablets, uh, the Sumerians' kings' lists, and the Epic of Gilgamesh and all that stuff, it talks about this god called Enlil. They they called him the Great Mountain, and he he was the bull of Enlil, and he was uh, fabled to have 70 sons and uh, was worshipped on Mount Hermon. 
and as we discussed Mount earlier, where? Mount Hermon. This Hermon. is where the fallen angels landed, right? And so it says, this is where his divine assembly met and ruled over the nations. You know, this is God signaling to his people that he will destroy these sons of God who rule the nations unjustly and take back his nation. You know, this is a, a weak festival. So, and But also what's a week-long festival is what? A, a Jewish marriage, right? You know, this it was is. a feast Jesus spoke of in his parable about the bridegroom feast, right? I mean, it's what it sounds like to me. And it says, you know, this is also, in my opinion, is around, you know, Jesus' birthday. He was born on the Feast of Booths slash Tabernacles. How fitting for Christ to be born on a Jewish holiday where they celebrated coming out of Egypt and God tabernacling with them. Only this time, literally, in the flesh. That's a whole episode on itself. Just a teaser. Yes, no it doubt. is. No <laughs> doubt. Good stuff right there. Sometimes you forget you're even like part of this, and you're just listening to it because it's just it blows you away every time. Mm. I mean, there's just so much there. No, I agree. And, and they're just I mean, just why you just got to keep digging. Yeah, yeah. You got to. And, keep and you mentioned it. Uh, uh, go into uh, uh, either Matthew four eight or or Luke four five seven. We're about Jesus being tempted. And offering the nations, it, that all ties into this too. Hold on, just a sec here. Let's see, I don't. I'm not as good. I don't have it pulled up right away. That's <laughs> not pulling up on this one. Hang on a minute. Go ahead. There you go. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where God didn't or Jesus didn't rebuke him either. He knew they were his to give. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of what we talked about earlier, that Satan, you know, men in general had given, you know, we were given dominion over the earth. It was, we and were the we stewards of the planet and yeah. we gave that up. We gave that up to those principalities, you know. Almost like we're giving up everything now. That sounds... Everything that's been done shall be done that again. Sounds, that sounds like a conspiracy. Sorry. Put a little politics in there. <laughs> well, I know one thing. You couldn't see all the kingdoms if you was on a giant water ball. Anyway, let's move right along. <laughs> yeah. Which one thing, I, you know, I, when I was reading that, was like being said. For one, you know, Jesus never rebuked him. Nope. Because he and knew he that he have. was the ruler of this world. And he would have. It was it was Satan's to give. Right. But Jesus knew. He's like, man. I know you don't know, but the whole reason I'm here is I'm taking it back anyway. So hold yeah. on to it for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. But one thing I thought was weird, now this is just me theorizing, but could this high mountain be Mount Hermon? Maybe. The place where the fallen angels descended? It would be pretty fitting because, you know, on Mount Hermon is where El... And his divine assembly and his 70 sons ruled the nations. Kind of like the throne. <laughs> and I don't know, let's see, I, I forgot where I heard this at, but I'll, I'll say this, that uh, uh, on the Mount Hermon location right now, my understanding is that's a uh, United Nations base. You can just look it up. I don't know if that's uh, you know 100% accurate. I forget exactly where I heard that at. But uh, United Nations. Like it it like, makes sense. Like all the nations? Like they're United, ruling all the nations? You know, those guys that have that uh, symbol that's a flat earth map. You know, United Nations. I'm just joking. No, I'm not joking. It's you're, you're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> just can't help myself. That'll have to be later. Which, yeah, we do need to talk about creation. That's definitely something we'll go into at some point. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Not too quick, though. <laughs> But uh, one thing I want to talk about, too, it ties into this, is uh, the transfiguration. Uh, Matthew 17 and, and 1, it said that, uh, you know, it said that they were at Caesarea Philippi. 
you know, it says, and that they traveled six days to a high mountain. You know, that's where the transfiguration took place. If you look at a map, Caesarea Philippi is right at the base of uh, Mount Hermon and Pan's Cave. You go to the closest peak. Yeah, you go to the closest one, right? So it says right here, it says, And after six days, Jesus took him, Peter and James and John and his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there it said that, you know, he transfigured. And you notice when you read that story, it said that when, uh, you know, uh, those other people uh, appeared to them, it said, you know, Lord, do we need to make uh, pitch tents? Oh, yeah, because it was that time of year. Because it was the Feast of Booths. It was. Okay, yes, yep. exactly. So all this stuff ties in together, man. Uh, but what's funny is uh, when you go to right after this is when uh, he uh, sends out his disciples. And when you get to Luke, let's see, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. It says, Jesus sends out the 72, according to which translation you read. It says 70 or 72. So he goes up there. It's like Christ goes to where that rebellion of Genesis 6 took place, right? And supposedly where Enlil and his 70 sons ruled the nations that were allotted to them at the Tower of Babel. You know, Jesus chooses this mountain to go back and transfigure and glow. You know what I mean? Basically throwing down the, the spiritual battle flag saying no that's awesome your time is up yes and i'm going to reclaim my nation amen and then right here he says that you know he sends out his 70 i'll put my 70 against your 70 and we'll see who wins because i'm going to take back my nations you've ruled unjustly and i'm now i'm taking them back i thought that was really really cool uh and once again that goes back to to mark Chapter three twenty seven and, and Matthew uh, twelve twenty eight, where he binds the strong man. That's how he's able to do all these things. And then, uh, of course, with me, uh, it ties back to uh, Pentecost. Because remember, right after this happened, you know, you had Pentecost, and that was in uh, Acts chapter two, verse one. It says. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is God signaling to his people that he's reversing the Tower of Babel. That's how I've always took this. Because, mm-hmm. you know, once you were all one tongue, I, he divided the tongues, he divided the, the nations amongst the sons of God, and now all of a sudden everybody that's together are back to one tongue again, you know. And Revelations, you know, there's so many verses. Revelation 7, chapter 7, 9 through 10, Revelations chapter 5, 9 through 10, Revelations 2, 26, they're all mentioning about the uh, the people gathered from every nation of every tongue. Well, that's a big part because if you think we wouldn't be sitting here if uh, God wasn't taking back those other nations because at that point, that's when he, you know, his chosen people, Israel, he's saying now, now let's go out and let's let's bring those Gentiles in. Yeah. Let's rein everything back in and let's you That's know Paul's this whole job. God did this yep. for everybody. It's not you know it was it was it became bigger than Israel at that time and and it went out to the nations. And we talked a little bit about that earlier. Actually, the the speaking in tongues and some of that. I just I find that just fascinating when you think that someone could could talk and any buddy could understand and I in my interpretation of that and I know there's different interpretations across the the as far as Christianity goes but my interpretation is that is that you know if I was speaking and you were Greek you were Roman you were uh, Swahili I don't know something but I could just be talking like this and God made that so that you guys would hear at the same time, you guys would understand me. 
Yeah. As opposed to, I don't think it, it's once again, just my personal opinion that I'm not going to say, I'm going to say something to you in Greek. Then I'm going to say something to you here. Then I'm going to say something to you here and then leave them. No, you out. said it once and they I all said it understood. once and everybody knew what you were saying. They were able to reach everybody at that time. And it's just, to me, it's just a, that is such an important part of the Bible when you talk about, you know, non-Jews because that's that's where we came into play. Yeah. That's, that's where all of a sudden we're we're back in the picture. I mean, fully back in the picture. So. No, I agree. And, and there's just, there's so much to it. You know what I mean? It's like, it wasn't just a tall building that, that God knocked down. No, it, it was, God intervened. He divided the tongues. That's where you get all your different languages. That's where you get all these different, you know, similar stories of different gods and stuff like that because it all originated from the same place. And then that, that also explains all the, you know, the atheists and non-believers' questions to this day. They're like, well, you know, there's so much evil in the world. You know, if your God's such a caring God and, and all this stuff, then why is there so much evil in the world? Because, well, if you walk away from the rulers, them, why would you? Well, that means the rulers and the principalities of this world. They take uh, yeah. counsel against the Lord. They know what it's saying. I yeah. mean, they they run the show around here. This is Satan's realm here until Christ returns. Exactly. And the thing is, is when 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 Christ came back, he came back to reclaim the nations. But once again, just like the Jews at the crucifixion, when they were crying Hosanna, they were wanting to be freed from the Roman government. No, God was freeing you spiritually. Right. You know, we look at things differently than God does. God looks at the big picture. So yeah, it wasn't that he was we're ending, he wasn't ending the rule of all these, you know, lowercase G gods and, and you know, taking them all out and God's now the ruler. No, he opened up his kingdom. Right. That's why so he now we his join. Now we have the right. choice. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's join. always been choice. Through it his was word. our choice to give it up, and so now it's our choice to take it back. But I love how it all ties together. You oh, know, the, the Mount Hermon, you know, uh, Pentecost, the reversing of it. You know, the, even the, the feasts. You know, of Sukkot, sacrificing the seventy bulls, representing the the seventy sons of El that ruled on Mount Hermon and ruled the nations. It's just. There are so many nuggets spread out, and you can get it from these extra-biblical books. You can get it from uh, archaeology, you know, the Sumerian king's list, uh, the epics of Gilgamesh. The, the, God put out so many fingerprints for people, I mean, like us, that dig. And to me, whys are always so important. It draws me closer to God. When I see, not only is this just one book, connect dots. No, this, 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 and this, and archaeology, everything just ties together like those uh, coloring books when you're a kid. Connect the dots. Yep. And then you hold back the big picture, and you're like, whoa. Wow. And it proves everything. Blows God, you away, man. You are amazing. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. Makes you hungry for his word. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just, um, every day, it's, it's almost like a... a obsession at times you know but um you know it's a beautiful thing because it's very enlightening and it just uh the way he reveals himself and the timing yeah <laughs> and things you gotta you know god and I, I hate how some people use scripture and be like oh well god reveals through his holy spirit if i'm to know what he'll 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 smack me in the forehead and give it to me no god meets you in the middle if the you want to know the secrets of the kingdom and, yeah, and, look, and, and you gotta look you, for it. You gotta meet him in the middle. You gotta start digging you and looking. You gotta search the find. He'll I reveal mean, it unto you. I mean, Knock and he will answer. Yes, Ask sir. and it shall be given unto you. I mean, because if what, you know, like you just said, he wants us all. Well, if that was the case, he'd slap us all in the forehead. <laughs> you, you gotta meet him. You gotta, it's your choice. You gotta and I go think, after you know, it. When you, well, go ahead, Ben. You just, oh, yeah, you just gotta no. go after it. So, therefore, I mean, I mean, it, if the whole thing on all of this is your choice, and if he takes it from you, then where's the power? Well, free will is a gift. I That's mean, what that I'm saying. A gift that he gave us. Yeah, I mean, if we don't have the choice, well, I know that the, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but no, the I, greatness I, no, I isn't there because he's made us do it. No, exactly. He don't want what's great. Abortion. What's greater than? Okay, yeah, 
y'all y'all turned away. You're living in the world. You know, the pleasures, the sins, and everything. But you chose me instead of all that. Knowing it's going to be harder. And that's where the glory to God is. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah just being obedient to God. Yeah, you know? that's what you got to do. No, yeah, absolutely. I forgot where, where I was on that one. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I think it's a wrap, ain't guys? Yeah, I think good. it sounds good, man. It was good stuff right there. I think we covered yeah. a lot of things, and the best is yet to come. Oh, yes, sir. Keep stay tuned. <laughs> you get your fingernails dirty. Yeah. Thank you.